Hello, welcome to Kill Your Silos, the only show that asks operators the single most important question to us, which is, how do we manage all of this shit? I'm here to teach you with my guest on how to do just that, using the methodologies of revenue operations. Each episode, I will host someone in the industry who I find to be very inspiring. This episode, it's Stephen McBride. Stephen is a customer success manager at HubSpot. Uh, Stephen and I go back for a long time. We've worked together at multiple companies. He actually was one of the early consultants at GoNimbly. And I'm very excited to speak to Stephen about revenue operations, about what HubSpot's doing in this regard, um, and just to catch up with my friend. Welcome, Stephen. Hey, Jason. How's it going? Pretty good, man. Um, you know, part of all of this that happens behind the scenes is that you meet with the marketing manager to do a pre-interview to make you feel all cozy and nice. When you were going through that process, um, did that feel like we were growing up as an organization that Go Nimbly had reached a plateau that I had someone doing a pre-interview with you? I really think so. I think the fact that there was uh, a pre-interview, uh, an introduction to the pre-interview, and just like preparation is a level of, you know, more than what we had when it was like, six people <laughs> across two different uh, WeWorks on the coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Stephen was with us very early on. Were we calling it RevOps back then, Stephen, or were we calling it Unified Business Stack? I, I think we're, we're trying to make RevOps happen in the word of, I think it's Gretchen Wieners. We're trying to make RevOps happen. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, I think you were right. I think we were trying to make RevOps happen. Um, we're going to get all into that history between you and I and the very uh, foundation of Go Nimbly a little bit later in the interview, but just to give everyone sort of a, a warm up to you and what your views are on the topic before they get inundated with what my views are that were forced upon you. Um, what is RevOps to you as it sits today? Yeah, I think as it sits today uh, is a changing conversation. And I think that's the biggest part about RevOps is, is that there's a vast majority of people that are catching up to the definition as they believe it. Some of them are a little off the mark, some of them are closer. But to me, it's just the centralized idea that all your teams, at least in customer facing roles, are interrelated. And that if they're not operating in lockstep, you're suffering inefficiencies. And as a result, you're not gonna be able to grow as large or as fast as you otherwise would be. That's kind of the core tenet of how I see it. So, you know, question that people always want to know on podcasts because we're supposed to make you like feel like you want to cry or say something secretive about your family. Who are you, Stephen? And how did you get from, you know, where I was talking that we knew each other and you worked with GoNimbly to HubSpot? And then how did that belief in RevOps really start to, to form for you? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, my entry to HubSpot actually goes back to uh, our getting to know each other. Uh, so I went to school at Northeastern University up in Boston, where I am now. Uh, and as part of that, I did a co-op where I kind of took a leap, went out to work for this consultant company called Blue Wolf out in San Francisco. Uh, and that's where I met you. Uh, and so I worked there for, I think, the six or seven months I was out in San Francisco, came back to college, graduated, got a job at Blue Wolf and helped start up their Boston office. I was one of the first couple consultants and analysts in the Boston office. Did that for about another six or seven months and was fortunate enough to get a job interview and land a position at HubSpot. Um, there, I mean, my, my career work from Blue Wolf flowed right into that. It was the job I got was supporting HubSpot Salesforce integration, which at the time was good, but uh, painful for growing organizations. And I actually think that's where my concept of RevOps really started to take hold. And like, it's what's followed me. Because at that point, I was working for what was predominantly a marketing company, running with their support team 
helping sales orgs plug into their marketing org. And that was, uh, if not evidenced by the pain that the integration caused some people, something that folks weren't really used to yet was like sales and marketing trying to work together in disparate systems and trying to like have their data talk to each other, a novel concept. Yeah. Uh, so worked at HubSpot for a couple of years uh, and then got an opportunity to move down to New York where I worked for uh, a micro learning uh, LMS learning management soft, uh, software startup, uh, again, supporting their sales force, helping that. And then uh, got back in touch with the wonderful folks that go nimbly and came over to, to work with Jen and Jason and, and the team there uh, out of the New York office, helping to, you know, support the RevOps vision and bring companies together. And it was really, I think, that's where the, I kind of saw it all connect together, where we talked about, you know, we're working with companies and trying to help them bridge all the gaps that we see sitting at the center point of it. Um, and so, you know, I worked, I worked with you guys for a couple of years and then came back over to HubSpot where I've seen that vision start to take hold and start to grow. And I can now appreciate it having been on the earlier phases of it at GoNimbly and seeing how HubSpot's seeing that vision take hold as well. Well, so let's talk about that. So I know that HubSpot is and has always preached being a pretty integrated company with trying to keep their teams aligned. Try, I mean, they are not using, they've never used the language, but when I, you know, I've watched the CEO give, um, you know, keynotes and I've watched people from the organization on panels. And it seems like they do put a big uh, focus on unification of the teams, unification of goals, unification of uh, people having North Star metrics, all things you do to keep silo syndrome at bay. Uh, this is called kill your silos, obviously. So we're going to talk about that, but where is HubSpot today uh, in their fight against silos and in, in their fight of unifying their teams? Yeah, I think from, from a HubSpot, the software, we're leaps and bounds ahead. Um, we, we show what we call the flywheel, which is essentially how you turn and you use the motion of all your teams to flow into the other one. So all your teams that are connected, you attract your customers, you engage them, you delight them, and each phase presses on and pushes the other one forward. It's the core of our software. We have marketing sales service software with the CRM in the middle. That, that idea is the, the customer facing side of RevOps. You can run all of your teams in one software and because it's in the same software, they have access to everything else that everyone can see. And so it just, it makes that picture clear. Um, Internally, you know, it's a little bit heavier for us to move the company in that direction. But this year we, we uh, cemented and, and declared a revenue operations team. Um, we have a new EVP of revenue operations. All the internal ops teams now report up to her. And so now we're, we're walking the walk internally that we've been professing externally um, to really have that internal ops focus where the teams are interconnected. So now not only are our external teams that uh, I'm a manager in customer success, I know what's going on in sales, I know what's going on in marketing. Now the teams that support us are also in the same loop, reporting to the same people held to the same goals. And so we're kind of getting the full slate of RevOps coming live from internal backend to customer facing to the software that we actually sell. Have you guys developed any RevOps? So, you know, I go nimbly use a methodology I created, which is called 3BC for measuring RevOps differently than how you measure standard SaaS metrics like, you know, CAC and all those kind of things. Have, have you guys started to develop your own um, RevOps metrics to say, oh, the work we are doing is actually impacting um, revenue? Or are you still at the point of unification? Um, so it, it's... We still have like those main SaaS, those, those main SaaS values, you know, LTV, CAC, all that. From a customer success side for the past couple of years to measure 
customer success as attainment. We use a metric we called customer dollar retention. And it really prioritized um, the value of keeping a customer on board. So uh, as long as a customer didn't cancel, their cancellation dollars didn't hit your number. And so was, keeping customers was really the main goal. Um, and that allowed us to put a heavy focus on not just growing existing customers that want to grow and bringing new customers in, but finding the right fit of software for customers that were with us. Uh, we're actually in the process of shifting back to revenue retention, that traditional number, which is actually, I think, bringing us more in line with sales and with marketing and now with CS, where revenue retention is a clear metric that everyone knows if you're succeeding at. And it's, it's a real clear indicator. We still want to keep as many customers as we can. It's a growing SaaS. We need to maintain a, a heavy base of customers. But some of them are going to grow, some are going to shrink, and some are going to come in new. And we can measure the whole company on that. So that shift back to revenue retention Really, I feel like it's pointing those those external teams back towards the the, uh, the RevOps metrics. Yeah, let's dive into that for one second because in my view of the two flywheels of business, there is the SaaS product business, which I call the product the product wheel. That is usually measured on one of two things: growth or margin. And then there's the revenue side of the house, which is measured on increasing revenue, essentially. Um, and I find that CSM customer success is, is a weird one because you may have two different functions in CSM, some that are reporting and trying to get upsells, cross-sells, things like that, which are, to me, part of the RevOps team, uh, the front-end RevOps team, not, not the back-end. I know that you do back-end RevOps as well. Um, and then you have you know, your traditional CSMs that are, are protecting against churn over on the flywheel of the product. At HubSpot, are you guys... Is each CSM re responsible for both of those managements or how does that actually work? Yeah, so, so the beauty of it and actually going into kind of breaking those silos is that CSMs are responsible for identifying customers that are ready to upgrade and that need more services that are, are ready to move forward. And then we hand them off to sales. The same sales rep that brought a customer in is also responsible for selling into that install base. And so we from a CS and a sales side have to be so closely aligned because Sales has to give us a solid customer that can, can grow and maintain. And then it's our job to, to nurture that relationship, guide the customer forward, hopefully help them grow as a company. And then when they're ready, identify that they're ready to grow with HubSpot and pass them back to sales to kind of get to really see the features in action. We help them talk about their strategy. And so we are responsible for that, for that maintenance, for holding customers and for keeping them happy, but also for identifying when they're ready to go up and grow and move up products, add more products. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that, you know, we always ask in the pre-interview when we're doing this is uh, we're talking to lots of different leaders who are either part of transitioning into RevOps, uh, have transition, transition a team, talking to their CEO about transitioning the team, is a CEO that is like fighting the internal silos that they have within their organization. And we ask them, what is one of the hardest things to, that you're fighting against or that you've seen that really kind of blocks this transition to being a more unified team. Um, the danger of silos, you know, and I think this is always important to say in each episode, and, and I try to work it in where it feels natural. The danger of silos is that you actually get less revenue off each yes you get. So people don't understand that we're in an age where customers are showing up and deciding they want your product or that your product is a very major contender before you ever talk to them. It's not that they're informed anymore. They actually intend to buy and then the experience basically deducts from their dollars until you don't get that contract that goes across departments or you don't get that contract for HubSpot that is, you know, marketing sales and customer success. You just get into their marketing team. Um, and so when you're in those things, one of the things that, you know, we have to break down is the silos because 
every time the customer feels like they're using their political capital is a dot, let's pretend it's a dollar that they don't give you or a month they don't give you on their extended contract. So I always ask the question, what is the hardest thing to break that is continuing to create silos? And in your pre-interview, you said trust, which is a very interesting thing because uh, it's so weird that trust plays such a major role in a professional setting, right? And in a setting where uh, at the end of the day, the CSMs can point at a metric and go, look, we're retaining dollars, we're, we're upholding our obligations, we're supporting the team, yet that doesn't actually mean that the CSM team has trust with the sales team or that the marketing team who's giving you know, MQL leads over to sales team has trust from the sales team or vice versa. So why do you think trust is such a major issue within organizations and how have you gone about you know, actually instilling and breaking down the distrust within, within your RevOps functions? Yeah, I think trust is so critical important because at, at the core of why everyone is working is to do well, to most likely make more money and to get promoted and, and, and all that goes along with that. And so inherently, I think everyone has this belief that like, I'm going to be better at solving for this customer than anyone else is. And I can just take them across the finish line, get the result that I think that they should get. And I can see it all the way through and I control my own destiny. When you have a customer that you identify as ready to, you know, to upsell or to cross sell, whatever that might be, and you SQL that lead, you say it's a services qualified lead, you send it over, you're putting trust that sales is going to take it across the finish line. And sometimes those don't go the way they want. And you don't always see into that. Maybe the customer wasn't really ready and you were wrong. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the sales rep didn't do as well as, as you thought they should have. You don't necessarily see those calls. So you don't know which of those it is. And I think internally, as, as much as we try to say like, you know, our coworkers are awesome. We really, we trust that everyone else, there's always that little implicit bias that you're like, did someone else mess up and it cost me a little bit. Now I have to work a little bit harder. Let's talk about a buzzword, which we've been talking about the whole time, which is the word RevOps. It's becoming a buzzword. I think uh, CRO uh, jobs went up by 4,000% since the beginning of COVID. Um, and RevOps, people are talking about it, writing about it. Um, and in your pre-interview, you had some questions around, you know, how did I know as Jason Reichel that this was going to be a big thing, you know, four years ago, but more importantly, I wanted to ask you from your perspective, what are people getting right right now when they're talking about RevOps and what are people getting totally wrong? Yeah. I, I think what they're getting right is that there has to be a connection between your teams. Uh, if there's not, you're going to be missing details. There has to be a connection. There has to be alignment. There has to be unity. Um, you know, if I think about the customer facing side of RevOps, all we're trying to do is sales, marketing services. We're all just trying to make customers more successful. Like that's at the core of my job as a manager, my CSMs, their job is to make customers successful, make them happy to solve for the customer. Yep. If one of us isn't fully aligned on that mission or we're not pushing in the same direction, the customer will see that. They talk to all of us and they'll say like, you know, I didn't really feel supported in the support process or sales was a little pushy or CS, you weren't my advocate. Like I felt like you were trying to trap me. Like if anyone feels that, then the whole system of trust with the customer collapses. So I think there has to be that unity. I think people are getting that. They understand the core premise. They understand why it's a pain in the ass to do business right now. And, and they understand it's about, they often talk, say the word misalignment and you're talking about unity, which I, I like better than aligned. Uh, you can be aligned towards the same thing and still run into a brick wall. I feel like if you, if you are unified and you hit a brick wall, you're going to knock it over uh, right. as a metaphor. So I, I think I agree with you on that. So what are they getting wrong? I think you just hit on it. It's that 
alignment isn't unity. And so just saying that sales and service and marketing are talking and that there's one meeting a month where the VPs of each of those silos get together and they nod and say, we're going after revenue retention. And then they all go off in their separate directions. Like that's not RevOps. It's very gently alignment, but it's not moving in the same direction. Like having the same goal, but different paths to get there isn't unity. It's not moving. Like you'll get there eventually, but you know, if you have a bunch of different people pulling in different directions, it's yeah. What you were talking about that, I got this mental image in my head of alignment is like everyone's using the same roads in a town. Unity is like everyone's in a caravan going to the same place. Yeah. I think one thing that I'm so interested in, in HubSpot's approach, and this is not seen very often. So props to your boss and props to HubSpot and, and the leadership there and yourself is that it makes so much sense for it to be a, a CSM, a, a, you know, a customer success led initiative for RevOps because it's about the customer. It makes it clear that operationally we are changing things for the customer, not for ourselves. Was there any pushback internally on that decision? I, not that I saw, like it, I will, I will say that at HubSpot, like, and it's, uh, I tell anyone that asks, like, is it, is the company like as true as it seems, as real as it seems. And like, my answer is always unequivocally yes. Like Brian Halligan and Darmesh, the two co-founders, like they want to create one, like what they say is they want to create a company that our grandparents, or our grandchildren rather, not our grandparents, our grandchildren will be proud of. So we want to- Hire your grandpa happy. Yeah, <laughs> make, make grandpa happy. Um, I mean, they, they want that too, but they want to solve for the long term as well. Um, and so we want a company that our grandchildren can be proud of. And they know that to do that, the only way to stick around and to excel in today's climate is to be customer first, to be radically transparent, radically empathetic, and to, to do everything for the customer experience. Because at the end of the day, if it's not based around that, it's going to fail because we don't exist without the customer. And so the, the idea that in not being as aligned as we could and should be, we were failing the customer to solve that. Everyone was like, yeah, I'm bought it hundred percent. Cause like, if, if we're doing something and it's causing the customer friction, it's causing all of our internal teams friction, which is then causing all of their backend support friction, which is then keeping our founders up at night. Um, so I think everyone was like, yeah, this is the right move. I mean, it, it probably helps that we're not the first one to the gate on it. Like we're, we're have, we're founding a RevOps team. We're, we're moving that direction, but we weren't the first ones there. So we just point to the successes um, that are out there and say like the industry is moving this way. Let's get ahead of it rather than be the last adopters when we find out that there's. Yeah. I mean, it's so smart. I would love to have, you know, some senior people on HubSpot to talk about that strategy because I do think it is a value differentiator that will, will exponentially um, improve business after COVID. Um, or, or even right now we're seeing that a lot of the SaaS companies who are adopting revenue operations are growing much, much faster than those who are not even during, you know, the COVID uh, space. Um, one thing I, I wanted to touch on, we're almost done here, is, uh, you know, you asked the question during the pre-interview, we always ask the question, is there anything that you want to talk about? And one of the questions you asked that was really interesting um, is how did I know uh, that RevOps was going to be a big thing so, so long ago? Um, and then I will answer that, but I wanted to flip it. And how did you think it was going to be such a big thing that you joined Go Nimbly, who was doing this thing and saying they were going to do this thing before it was a thing to anyone? Yeah, it, it blows my mind because when you, the, and the reason that I was bought into is because when you think about it, when you hear it, it just makes sense. Like, of course, if all of your teams are aligned and moving in the same direction towards the same goal, everyone's going to do better. Mm -hmm. 
I can't, I can't poke any holes in that. It just makes it. And so when I heard it, I was like, all right, yeah. And then you had a methodology, like, how do we make it happen? And that's what hooked me was, it's not just that we're saying something that makes sense, but there's a belief, a strategy, a methodology behind it. We're going to push it forward. And so, you know, when you see, when you hear that and then see it in action, you're just like, well, of course it's going to work. Um, so I think that's like, that's why I was bought in because it, it just makes sense. And then the strategy behind it is one that I truly believed in. Yeah, cool. All right. Uh, you ready for a game, Steven? <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. It's uh, this or that. So how you play this or that, and this is the last thing we're going to do, is I'm going to give you two things. You choose one or the other. So as a simple example, this or that, breakfast or dinner, Stephen? Uh, dinner. Why dinner over breakfast? What do you have against mornings? Nothing against mornings. I'm not a huge breakfast person. I, I wake up. I'm not that hungry. I, I skip breakfast most days in the week just because I'm not that hungry. Do you ever eat uh, breakfast for dinner? Is that okay? Like breakfast food? Or are you not a oh, fan of breakfast food? Breakfast, breakfast food for dinner all the way. It's nothing against the food or the cuisine. It's just physically my body's like, later. Okay. I like that your body has decided that it doesn't like the most important meal. There, you're, well, that's minus one point, Stephen. Uh, all right. Um, now. Okay. <laughs> next question: Fiction or nonfiction? Ooh, um, nonfiction. Nonfiction. Now I always get confused: Is nonfiction the stuff that's fake or the stuff that's real? It is the stuff that's real. It is not fiction. So that was a test. So now you're at zero. So you could win this whole thing. So there's three questions. Are you Are you ready? I know. <laughs> Last question. Better boss, Jason or your current boss? Oh, this is a trick question. And this isn't fair because there's a chance that she'll hear this. So I'm going with Celine, uh, my current Oh, my God. Uh, that's, that's the correct answer. Way to be my <laughs> team player. I really enjoy that, Stephen. Thank you for throwing me under the bus. Um, that's, that's what I'm here for. So Celine, if you hear this, you are the better boss. I will validate it in perpetuity forever. Yes, Elena would never do that to you. She would never make you choose between bosses. I, I'm pretty confident about that. <laughs> uh, it was very nice to see you, my friend. I am so happy for all the success you've had, even though you've less, left my company and there's all a Steven's size hole in it. Um, and I hope that uh, HubSpot really treats you right and understands that they have a brilliant operator on their hands. Well, thank you very much for the time. Now, you know, every once in a while I come back and I stand inside that Steven size hole and I say, Hey, good Emily, how's it doing? I just make sure everyone's doing fine and that that hole remains there. Um, I, <laughs> I, I cut it out of the WeWork, so you will be seeing a bill for that eventually. Um, yeah. Do not charge me. The check will not clear. We won't. We love that hole. We love, your, we love you to phase back in and say, hi, how are you guys doing? Um, we should have an alumni event soon once COVID's all done. I think that would be a great, a great thing to do. Let's have a vaccination party. We'll all get together, oh. get the vaccine, and we'll just hang out forever. I'm not going to get that. That's going to kill me, right? I mean, I'm okay if Bill Gates knows where I am at all times. <laughs> me too. What's Bill going to do with the information? All right. <laughs> Talk to you later, my friend. Thanks. Take care. Bye.